Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... That's the goal, that you just keep Jesus first, keep Him number one. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that's in you. Let Him be everything to you. If that is not the case for you, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about that, God gave you the remedy. Remember, repent, and repeat Remember when it was great. Repent of having left that place. Go back to what you were doing then and do the first work. Do what you were doing when the Lord was number one. As Christians living in our materialistic world, it's easy to let God slip away from being our top priority, whether it's wealth, possessions, or status. We let the world tell us what to value and forget about God altogether. In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to always put God first in everything you do. No matter how important some other pursuit may seem, God will always remain the most important thing in your life. Value what matters most and store up your treasures in heaven. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 2. As he continues his message, return to your first love. It is sometimes necessary that we just pull up and say, God, why am I doing what I'm doing? And maybe I need to reconnect and I need to refocus. I need to reset so that I can be doing the right things for the right reason. Something had happened in the church of Ephesus where the machine was still going, but Jesus is saying, you left. Heart's not in it. You, you left this first love. You have, I'm no longer your first love. And first is in the order of priority. It's, it's, I'm not first anymore. Maybe for them, serving was first. Maybe the, the stuff they were doing, some people do the right thing because they want to be right. It's not, it's no longer about God. It's about, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. There could be a number of reasons. Doesn't matter. Jesus says this. I'm not first anymore. That's the problem. And it's, it's an insurmountable problem. It's a problem that if it doesn't get fixed, uh, it's going to ruin our relationship altogether. He says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. And so, and I want to be really honest. I want to, I want to, I want to ask you guys to be really honest. If that would be the case, if you're sitting in a chair today and you would say, I'm, I am not passionately in love with Jesus. I care for the Lord. I love the Lord. I believe in the Lord, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. Hear what he has to say. He's going to call them to repent. That has to be repented of. That Jesus would say, look, it's not okay to not love me like that. He said, when he gave the, he said, what's the first and greatest commandment? In Matthew 23, 37 to 39, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's, that's first. That's before anything else. Me. He said, love me supremely first with everything you got, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And then you can love your neighbors yourself. You need to do that too. But me first. God is the only one that deserves that kind of love, that kind of devotion, and he commands it. He calls for it. This church, he's saying, no, we're not there. I'm no longer first. And once again, I'm asking everybody here to be, just have a, a moment with the Lord. You can just, you can even close your eyes as I'm talking. If that's not the case for you, because it could be the case. We could, what if we all left this room? What if this many people left this building today and made Jesus first again? Will we, 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 no matter what, rather we be more effective as a church, more, none of that, just wouldn't he be pleased more? It would bless him more. 
That's that would be the goal. The goal wouldn't be let's 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 all do that so we can we can do more. We can we can get more people. No, just if all of us can just be in the place where Jesus says, "Ah, oh, that's that's what I wanted. Amen. That's all I wanted. All I want is you." That's what that's what he wants. He said, "Like it's like all I want is you, you know, Jesus, and nothing else will do." That's what he. That's where he wants us to get to. Or all we want is you, Lord. That's that's above everything else. I just want you. Interesting because Jesus has everything. The one thing he does not have by default is you, your devotion, your faithfulness, your commitment, your love. He has everything else. He owns everything, the cattle on Thousand Hill, all the silver, all the gold. Nothing. There's nothing he can't have. He created everything. It's all under his power. But he gave you and me free will that we can have a genuine love relationship. And though he loves us, we don't. It's not. he doesn't have by default your love for him. That's something that we each get to give the Lord. And I'm, I'm saying that everybody here can just check, heart check. I could definitely say that I've had seasons of ministry even, where if I be honest, I could say right there, I was not serving out of a first love relationship with Jesus. I was going, I was doing a lot of right things, but it wasn't where it needed to be with Jesus. And that has to be repented of. That has to be acknowledged, has to be repented of. Thankfully, he's willing to forgive it and, get, and let you get going again. But it happens. It's happened in my life. Um, and, and I'm saying if you're sitting here today and that's the case for you, um, th- then the call today would be for us to repent, that we would turn back to that place with the Lord. And so nevertheless, he says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Then he says in verse five, now he gives the remedy. I told you guys before, whenever Jesus gives a correction, he gives a remedy. How do I get it right? Okay, I'm busted, Lord. I'm here. I'm sitting in a chair and I'm not in a first love relationship with you. It's not where it needs to be. How do I get it right? And I love that he makes it so simple. He gives us three things. Um, you can write, write down these three R's. Write down remember, repent, and repeat. And I'm going to come back and share them real quick. Write down remember, repent, and repeat. And this is the remedy for this. First word he says is Remember. Um, why does he say that? Because he's saying you, you used to be here. You used to be in this kind of a relationship with me, but now we're not. So remember, remember what? Remember when it was that way with the Lord and everybody here. You either are right now on blaze for Jesus in a first level relationship with the Lord. So for you, you don't have to remember because it is right now. Or maybe you're looking back at some other season of your walk with the Lord saying, man, I was so on fire for the Lord back. Then. I was so passionate for Jesus. There was so much, there was so much willingness to do whatever for God. If there was a season of your walk where you say, I was more devoted, I was more passionate, I was more obedient, I was, then you have backslidden. You have, you have moved from that place. And so you have to remember it. He says, remember it. Look back to that. Remember what that looked like. What were you doing different then? What weren't you doing that you're doing now? What were you doing that you're not doing now? Remember that era. Remember that season. Look back. And find it. Look back to it. And, and so if you can look back and say, man, there was a season where I was, you know, this is what it looked like when I was really in a sweet space with Jesus. He says, remember that. Then he says, repent. Repent of what? Right? Repentance is to make a U-turn. I got to repent of having ever left that place. So the U-turn is that whatever root I'm in now, I'm to turn away from that and turn back to what I used to be doing. Turn back to what I, I was doing before when it was sweet with Jesus, when it was sincere with the Lord. This same thing, by the way, if, if you got a jacked up relationship maritally, um, this same, this same, you know, remedy 
you can look back to when it was sweet, and maybe say, oh man, I used to you know, do this and do that, and look, remember when it was like that, and then go back to doing that again, and some of y'all can recapture a sweet space in your marriage, that's just for free, um, but this is about your relationship with the Lord, he says, remember from where you have fallen, and then repent, turn from that, repentance is always the remedy from God, repentance in some circles, they made it a bad word, repentance is a wonderful word, repentance is how someone that's not right gets right, with the Lord. You got to turn. Repentance happens first in the mind. First, I change my mind about it. I'm wrong. God, you're right. It's wrong that I've left that place. First, it happens in my mind. Now my body turns with it. I agree with my mind. This is wrong. I'm turning in my attitude. I'm turning in my belief. I'm turning in my behavior. But it first happens in my mind. Repentance begins in my mind. My body follows through. But repentance demands that something changes immediately. That I wouldn't, you can't repent and be the same. Amen? Some people mistake confession for repentance. They're different. Confession is what you do with your mouth. You can confess your sins and then go do them again. Confession does not equal repentance. Repentance has got to be followed up bodily. You know, I've, I've changed my mind that I was doing the wrong thing. Now I turn from it to turn back to the Lord. Now I'm no longer doing that because now I'm following the Lord again. I've repented. So if you're still doing the sinful thing, you've not repented. You've acknowledged it. You may have confessed it, but you have not repented. Repentance demands that there'll be change. Uh, there'll be visible change that follows repentance. And we see that throughout the scripture. So he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Then he says, repent. And then the, the third thing he says, and then do the first works. That's where we get. That's why I said repeat. He says, do the first works. What first works? The ones you remembered when you remembered. Go, go back to doing what you were doing when we were in a right relationship before. Remember what that was like. Repent of having left it and go back to that again. Go back to doing that again. Was it a sweeter devotional time? Was there more personal time given to the Lord? Was there more willingness to serve or willingness to, to just to give of yourself, your serve, whatever it was? He says, go back to that. I want you back in that place. I want that relationship with you back. And again, everybody here can let the Holy Spirit sift through your heart and, and deal with you. But if you can look back and find a better place, then you, you got to repent to get back to that place. Um, you should never, here's how it should go. I should look back and see, you know, I, I always can look back and I should see a version of me and I, I should see that I'm, I'm growing from that place. I should never look in my rearview mirror and see a better Christian than the one that's in the mirror today. And if there's a better Christian back there, then the one that's in the mirror today, I need to repent. There should always be a better Christian in my mirror today than the guy that's in the rear view. I look back at the guy in my rear view and, you know, I can look at seasons of my walk with the Lord where I thought I was doing pretty good. But I've grown since then. And now there's some things that I look back and I'm like, wow, at that point, that was good. But today I'm like, man, that's not acceptable anymore. I, I you know, I, that's why I'm, I'm kind of gracious with new believers because there, there were era, there was eras in my walk with the Lord where I didn't think some stuff that was wrong. That now I'm like, that's real wrong. But I didn't think it was wrong back then, you know, you know. So I, I, I've grown, you know. I, I was a decent guy. I was coming along, and I expect today that if I were to look in the mirror five years from now, I'll look at today and say, man, you, you. You were coming along, but you needed some work and some things. That God's going to continue to change us. We're going to continue to be changing and growing closer and closer to him. But I shouldn't look back and see a guy that loved the Lord more, that was more obedient, more passionate, 
And whenever I do, I need to repent. I need to go back and start there again. That I can get back to, I want to grow forward in my walk with the Lord. And so, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and then and do the first works. And now he gives a warning. Or else, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's a big deal. Jesus doesn't just say, look, this is what I hope you do. He says, if you don't do it, there's going to be ramifications. You're not going to continue to just go this way. He says, if you don't repent, he says, I'm going to come remove your lampstand from its place. The lampstand was, remember the lampstands represented the churches. The lampstands just, they, they, they hold, they don't, they don't produce light, but they hold the light. They're the lampstand. So I'll remove your influence. If you're not going to change, if you're not going to get that right, so I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The lampstand was the place where, again, that was their opportunity to shine for the Lord. God said, so you just won't have any. I'll remove your, I'll remove you from that place. I'll remove you from that place of influence. Um, I'll remove your lampstand. And so I consider that as a church. I consider that as, as an individual members of the church. I know people, you guys, I know Christians that that we're in a place of influence for the Lord and didn't maintain a first love relationship with God and God has removed their influence. They're no longer in a place of influence. I personally know people that that has happened in their life. Christians, for sure. Love the Lord, for sure. But they, they, didn't, they didn't maintain this. That's, this is possible. And so the alternative is this. I can either remember, repent, repeat, and get back into a juicy place with Jesus where I love him and he's glorified through my life and everything is the way it's supposed to be. Or God says, if you're not going to repent, you, you'll end up in a place where you just won't have any, there'll be, there'll be no influence from your life. I will remove your lampstand. Again, he says it again, unless you repent. Now, in verse six, he throws out another commendation. Interesting that he does it this way because normally he gives all the commendations, then he gives the corrections. But here he gave all the commendations, he gives the correction, gives the remedy, and he says, oh, wait, you know, got another commendation. He says, verse 6, but you, this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. What are the deeds of the Nicolaitans? Because y'all agree that hate is a strong word? Well, it's especially strong when Jesus uses it. If Jesus says, man, I hate that, you have better pay attention. He says, you guys have this. I, I, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. and give credit for this. You guys have this. That you hate what I hate. I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What was that? If I could make it simple for us. It was a hierarchy in the church. Uh, there was a group that sought to have uh, a hierarchy where it put man in a place uh, between, between the Lord. Similar to our Catholic church. Where there are, there's a man that people go to. As God or, or in the name of God. I hate that. You know why he hates it? Because the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. And it's who? It's the man Christ Jesus. So whenever another man inserts himself in between you and Jesus. I hate that. I died to ruin that. I split the veil in two when I died. He hates that. Don't ever let a, a organization, a church or anybody. Get in between you and Jesus. You got direct connect, fam. Everybody here can bow to me and be heard all by yourself. You don't need me. Um, we, we need Jesus. We all individually need Jesus. That's how we getting through to the Lord. So you don't have to go to a pope. I don't hear from God through the pope. When you sin, you don't go to a priest. 
Jesus is your high priest. He lives to make intercession for you. Amen? So the deeds of the Nicolaitans, it would be that. That hierarchy where man puts himself over you and in between you and God. That's, I hate that. I hate that. He hates it. So I'm cautious. I'm a pastor. And I'm in a place where people come to you. So I'm very careful with my words. I'm telling you. That's why I tell y'all to read the Bible yourself all year. I want you to begin to learn to hear from God for yourself. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to preach the word best I can. Now I'm going to prepare the word and share the word. But everybody here, I want to be clear. This is not it. This ain't the only way you can hear God. You can turn out, turn on the light in your bedroom, open up the Bible and read out loud. And he's speaking to you right then too. He speaks to you there as well. Amen. And while we're here and the pastor stand down and we will pray for you because we should pray for you. And the Bible says that we do that. You also can bow to knee in your bedroom and pray. You can be heard. Amen. Amen. And when you sin, you ain't got to come run down here and say, you know, pastor, I did X, Y, and Z. What do I got to do to make it right? That's you. you when you sin, wherever you did it at, you, you can bow your heart right there before the Lord and confess to him. First John 1, 9. Confess your sins to God. He'll forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you can get that thing right with the Lord. You don't got to come down here and make a line and we'll say 10 Hail Marys, five All Fathers, three dips in the ocean and don't come back. You know, so that's God doesn't like he's doesn't like it's not strong enough. He says, I hate that. So the church of Ephesus, again, he says, hey, I, 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 I'm throwing one more commendation out to these guys. You guys have that. You guys, you guys hate what I hate. But here's the deal. The problem that they had was that they weren't in love. They weren't. Jesus was no longer preeminent and first and he wanted to be back in that space. I'm asking everybody here again to consider, is he is he in that place in your heart today? Do you need to repent? Is there is there something that's that's not where it needs to be? Then why not? Why would we leave this place? Why would we hear this and leave and not get that right? No good reason. Right. Last, uh, verse seven. Now he says this. He. Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Um, he says, he who has an ear. That's everybody. But it's interesting because everybody, you know, you can have ears, um, but just not be listening. Not have ears to hear, not have a heart to receive what the Lord is saying. But he says, look, he who has an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. If, you, if God is speaking to you, this is so important for us, always. When God speaks, you should respond. Then. And that, that's in your reading, that's in your devotion life. If you're listening to a sermon in the car, if you're at church, when you hear God and he speaks to you, you should respond. God's telling you to do something. You do it then. If God's correcting you, you respond to the correction then. Um, and he said, look, he who has an ear. He says this to all seven churches at the end of his, at the end of his instruction. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This is to us. This will go out to all the other churches. God says, this is a word to all the churches. But if you have an ear, and we all want to have ears to hear what the Lord is saying. Amen? Amen. Uh, that we might grow, that we might be transformed. What's the goal of these letters? And I'm going to remind us as we get ready to wrap it up. As we go through each one, the goal of it is this. It's unveiling Jesus. We have learned in this letter some things that Jesus hates. We've learned about Jesus that you could be doing a lot of things right, but if, he, if he's not first, it's not enough for him. Have we learned that? We're learning some things about him. And so we, the, the goal of learning about him is that we would conform into that. God, then I, don't, then I don't want to be the guy that's doing a lot of right things, but I'm not right with you. I want to be right with you. That, that matters to the Lord. What, it's, not so, it's not everything that I'm doing is irrelevant if, if he's not first. 
And so I learned that about him. I want to conform to that. I learned about him. It's okay to, you know, call false teachers. Jesus said, man, good job. You guys have put up with that mess, right? It's, it's a good thing to him that a church wouldn't allow evil to prevail in its midst. And we keep things at bay. God said, that's a good job. Don't, don't anybody, don't, don't bend the rules. Don't let sin run rampant in my church. Um, he commended them for those things. We learned that about him. Amen. But when it all comes down, when he says, nevertheless, again, I hear that so loud and it's so piercing that nothing else matters to him except for th- this first thing. I got to have a first love relationship with the Lord. Now he says this, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He gives the promise to the overcomer. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you guys remember in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, um, there was in the midst of the garden, there was a tree of life. And there was also the tree of the knowledge. There was a tree of uh, life right there, along with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life, had they eaten of it, they would have lived forever. Once they were in a fallen state, God didn't want them to eat from the tree of life in that fallen state. So he banished them from Eden. And what did he put in front of the, the tree of life? Some cherub with some swords, some flaming swords. So couldn't know that. It reminds me of something I see in video games, you know, like just little fat cherub. Then that's, 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 that's not really what they look like, you know. They look like warriors. Everybody see them get scared with some flaming swords, but ain't nobody getting under that tree yet. But he says, look, to those who overcome, to those who overcome, I'll give to eat of the tree of life. Now, does anybody know where the tree of life is, is going? Where are we going to see it again? I'm going to cheat ahead to the end of the book, right? At the end of everything, right? When the, the rapture of the church, the tribulation period happens, thousand year millennial reign of Christ, the final judgment, the great white throne, everybody go to hell, go to hell. Everything is made new, new heavens, new earth, everything, everything is great for us. We with the Lord. All things are brand new. Revelation 22, it says in the midst of it, uh, the middle of the street on either side, there was a river and um, there was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse and the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it. And so there's coming a time where we'll be we'll access to that thing again. That was Revelation 22. Verses 3 and 4, 2 and 3, something like that. But we'll see it again then. But here he says, look, everyone overcomes. I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's his promise to the overcomer. So as we end this first letter to the seven churches, you either are, you've either been commended, you either are in a first love relationship with the Lord, and if so, praise the Lord and just continue in that. That's the goal. That you just keep Jesus first. Keep him number one. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything that's in you. Let him be everything to you. If that is not the case for you and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about that, God gave you the remedy. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember when it was great. Repent of having left that place. Go back to what you were doing then and do the first work. Do what you were doing when the Lord was number one. For those that would say, I need to go back to that place. I'm going to pray for all that would acknowledge that that's, that's God's call upon them today. That he would help us. My prayer, I pray that we would walk out today and the Lord would just have all of us to the full. Uh, and again, I confess that this is, there have been times where even in the ministry, I've needed to remember, repent and repeat. If that's what you need to do, this, this, that's what you need to do. If you acknowledge that, man, I'm not where I need to be, then you get back 
where you need to be. And Jesus has made the, the road clear and straight for us. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then, Remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.